This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. I am here live with Cousin Scott. What's up, man? What's up, buddy? So we're doing something weird today. Weird and different and definitely not what you would expect on Retro RGB. We're speculating. That's uh, the entire the entire podcast. I, I normally hate that. I normally love being a nerd with data. But the goal of today is to discuss or is to watch a whole bunch of content on a bunch of different displays and discuss what we feel, at least for our test footage, is the better way to watch it. Now, the reason I want to do this podcast style is because we're just going to talk out a bunch of theories. It's going to be a lot of open-ended questions, but there's. I also want to lay down the groundwork for an eventual video, which I just don't have the time to do, where I set up very good camera equipment and I learned how to shoot a projector screen with a camera so that we can see, you know, mm-hmm. so basically to try to re- recreate what we see with our eyes today, but I want a starting ground to do that. And I feel like this just, this podcast might might do it now maybe we'll give a shot recording maybe we won't i think what we're probably the best way to do this is just to watch some footage and then come back and talk about what it is that we watched and uh there's some questions that i want answered if you have a multi-format crt so something that does 480i and 480p Mm -hmm. and you have you know what is the better resolution to watch certain types of content Now, this is an unanswerable question because it could be different for every TV show or movie, but my guess was always stuff that was, like, really shot for TV might actually look better in 480i because that's how it was always designed to be viewed. Like, um, you know, those made-for-TV movies of the 80s and 90s. Well, you're talking about something where, like, the output that exists is, like, a 480i signal, right? Like, some of that stuff might have been shot on 16mm or something like that, and in some cases they make beautiful transfers of them today for 1080p or something but exactly. you're not really talking about that kind of stuff you know? well i mean i am but we that's the stuff that i want to work out so by the end of this hopefully we could have a blueprint of what to to test when we do a deep dive video or maybe we'll ask my life and gaming to do it because they're going to be way better at that than i am anyway but um but stuff like because i have found personally going into this i do have a bit of a preconceived notion because there was a lot of content that i always preferred to watch on a crt that I actually think a decent projector. So you don't need to spend thousands, but like not a $50 Pico projector that you have your cell phone up to. Um, A decent projector, I feel like in many of these cases, I prefer. There are, of course, the times I prefer a CRT. Um, I almost never prefer a VHS tape, but I think I found a scenario that I might. Um, Really? And then, Hmm. you know, of course, the only thing that I I think... I know for sure for myself personally going into this is I don't like to see movies with a ton of film grain on an OLED TV, my 4K OLED. Because for me, everything, it's almost like when you scale composite video and that you don't just scale the video games, you scale all the artifacts as well. Yeah, And that's what my eyes see on the OLED. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think you had an opinion a few years ago that you think it's beautiful. It's art. It's part oh, of Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. I was just about to say, like, that, that, we're going to have a, like, a nice argument over that <laughs> because I love like seeing film grain in, in any capacity. And um, on, on 4K, if you're looking at something that's grainy, you know, you sort of feel like, and it might be partially an optical illusion or a trick of your brain, but you feel like you actually have like an excess of pixels. Mm. And that the that the 4K image is actually able to, um, like retain the randomness of that of that grain structure that you see, but it's very tricky to do that because like what you're talking about with like a, a grainy film image is something that is uncompressed, and that is a totally new frame on every frame, and you you sort of lose that. If it's not a completely uncompressed video, which everything is that we consume is, is compressed in some way. Yeah. So even those 4K 
grainy film artifacts are you're you're not seeing the grain by itself you're seeing it through um the prism of the compression algorithm that the that the 4k video is producing so right and i found that in some scenarios at least my brain i'm tricked into thinking that i'm watching a film projector Mm -hmm. when i'm watching it from a projector because i get that sense you know your eyes see the light flickering you know you hear the projector above you you it never gets perfectly dark on the screen obviously because you're shining a freaking beam of light at it so that tricks my brain into thinking i'm watching film very often so I also we're a bunch of old men too. So I wonder, I wonder how the younger generation who didn't who grew up with all digital would view this stuff. But I couldn't possibly answer that. So we're just going to stick with you know with our opinions today. So old man opinions only today. Yeah, our get off my lawn. <laughs> so yeah, uh, strap in. We're gonna you know we'll start with one. We'll come back and report back to you know what we watched and what we thought and. Uh, you know, I'm sure this is going to annoy a lot of my friends because I have a lot of uh, nerd friends that are that are equally as deep into this that I am that would really have preferred to see a side by side analysis and and you know a hundred different forms of media analyzed. But I just I don't. Yeah, that's I, a I more in depth video, yeah. more th- more than we're committing to this evening. Right? Yeah, Mark Corey, you guys maybe will help sort of. But all right, let's jump in and pick the first piece of content and come back. Exciting. All right, so. It's even more complicated than I thought. It is complicated. It's it's, it's it requires a very deep, like sensitive eye to be able to have feelings about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's lay out the test, and it's actually many tests, not test. So we watched uh, X Men the cartoon on a DVD. We watched Shaka Zulu DVD, which I think it feels like it was shot on digital, not on film. I could be wrong. I don't know. It's got that weird. No, no, no. Shaka Zulu was probably almost certainly shot on film. But what we were looking at was it's it's like, um, you know, if you were to compare in in our house, we have DVD rips and Blu-ray rips of the next generation. Mm. And the DVD rips of them like were coming from like the videotape masters. Because that was an acceptable source to make a DVD of. And then when they came over to the Blu-rays, they actually went back to the original film elements. And I think that just in the case of Shaka Zulu, they just took the content that they had originally used for broadcast and then made their DVD out of that is probably what happened. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. Um, And then we used Dream Theater Live at Budokan. And not only did we have three different sources, but we also watched it... On the JVC 36-inch 480i only TV, 15 kilohertz. We watched it on the Sony BVM D32. And then we watched it through an Oppo UDP 203 uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray player with a pretty good deinterlacer on a projector, on the BenQ projector. Um, so, now... This is not an apples-to-apples comparison, but I don't know that you ever actually could. You'd have to theoretically have all multi-format monitors and all calibrated. So Mm -hmm. this is more of a real-world thing. And So essentially what we have is a very clean source, which was the Dream Theater one. I'm pretty sure that was shot on HD cameras anywhere, at the very least 480p digital cameras. I think you're right, yeah. Um, And we watched it on multiple resolutions, 480i, 480p, and of course 4K when it was scaled. Um, and just keep in mind, we're talking about those three sources, not video games at all. So when, I'm, when we mentioned 480i, we're only talking about this content. Um, so what did you, what differences did you see? Like, what did, uh, did you have a preference? Like, what did you really notice throughout all of this? Well, the most, um, you know, observable phenomenon was when we were trying to watch Shaka Zulu on the projector. Because the projector doesn't really have a mode for projecting an interlaced signal, like a like a CRT projector would, for instance. Right. So, so we had to feed it a digital. Basically, no matter what we fed the projector, it was going to upscale to 4K anyway. That's right. So we used the Oppo Blu-ray player to do the scaling for it, so that you know, which is definitely a better scaler than the one built into a projector. You for know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you're right. Yeah. And it just couldn't really handle it. It couldn't create a, like an attractive image at all. There was all kinds of jaggies and uh, what, what, what do you call that? A comb? I think uh, you're supposed to call them combing effects. Combing effects, um, yeah. Like it was like immediately and obviously apparent. Like whenever anything moved at all, you could 
you know, you could see a, a zigzag um, as clear as day. And there wasn't any way that we could futz with the settings or something like that to get rid of it because it, it had to interlace it. So when we were watching them on both both the consumer TV and the BVM, like they both produced excellent results, I think, watching it in, in, in interlaced mode. Yes. But I think that the trick here is like, that one of the points worth noting is that we were always watching like a piece, something that came from a DVD, and like well, we'll get to the it, next one later. So let's yeah, yeah. Just, but like, yeah. like when we're when we're talking about like DVD content, which is sort of another way of saying like the kinds of content that most people are going to be consuming if they're not looking at old VHS tapes, probably is that like most of that content had at least an overture towards a progressive scan kind of effect, like in the mastering of the DVD, which is why the, uh, the Shaka Zulu DVD is, is so useful in this context because it really doesn't appear that any effort was made in that regard. Um, and, um, you know, you're always seeing it through the filter of that transformation to take it from whatever we probably saw it on television originally in the 80s or the 90s to when it was created for DVD consumption um, these days. Almost everything that was maybe viewed in a interlaced format or transformed into an interlaced format when we consumed it in the 80s and 90s has probably been prepared in something that we would see today that's something that's meant for a more modern display like a dvd is sort of like one foot in one foot out obviously but like everything that's streaming of course is trying to be um transformed for an hd display and you know some of the work that goes into making it ready for modern displays goes a long way towards making it more palatable even if it's a little bit less authentic i think agreed and I mean, I was kind of going into it expecting that I was going to prefer the 480i look as opposed to the 480p on the PVM. I'm sorry, on the BVM. And um, and I think I actually liked the 480p look a little bit better. And I think that it has a little bit less to do with the content so much as the way that the PS3 was sort of already ready to transform a DVD into something that's meant to be seen on a 40p signal. Yeah, so I should also clarify that we, those same discs we used, the PlayStation 3, the CECH A01, the original, with a HD retrovision component video cable. And I could tell you for a fact that the deinterlacing on the PlayStation 3 is not as good as other things that we have here. Uh -huh. It just was an easiest way to do it. Um, but I don't think the PS3's deinterlacing affected my affected what I saw, which is unfair to say to you because you haven't seen the other methods yet, but after spending hours and hours doing this, I don't think you, it would have affected you either. We'll check later because if we have time before you got to go, we might actually be able to do this too. But I think for me, the easiest one by far was the Dream Theater DVD because that was clean content. I don't, I'm pretty positive that was not shot on film. That was shot digitally. I'm pretty sure it was shot in 480p, but uh, or or higher, um, and it was absolutely crystal clear on the BVM in 480p. Mm -hmm. Looked gorgeous. I saw more detail on the D32 than I did in the projector. Yep. But I like the projector better because it's a 90-inch projector versus a 32-inch widescreen, mm -hmm. and nice and bright too. It is a bright projector. We did obviously turn the lights off, but so I did not dislike it. In 480i though mm -hmm. it wasn't something that i saw and i was like why the hell would i want to watch this crap like i didn't not at all like if you know for whatever reason like if you were somebody that said i want to watch 1080p and up on my flat panel and anything lower than that i want to watch on my crts even if it's 15 kilohertz zero complaints with the clear one uh, but my favorite was definitely the projector even though there was no film noise, there was none of that weird... Yeah, you know. it was the best way to watch the Dream Theater and the worst way to watch Shaka Zulu, probably, right? Yeah, so Shaka Zulu, um, that one, definitely a CRT. So now we're talking noisy, uh, you know, a noisy thing. And it was, when I say noisy, it wasn't even just, like, film noise and deinterlacing artifacts, but even as they were putting the title cards on, like, the you know, the, the title was shaking because yeah. it was yeah. such a, you know... 
it, it was not a very well shot and, and produced thing compared to what you see today. It, it wasn't a very well mastered DVD. I think is the right way to put it. I, we don't we don't Fair know. I, I I think that like in its time, Shaka Zulu was probably shot on sixteen millimeter, and I think it was probably like for a TV movie, like about as good as a production was. Like the you know like there's cast of thousands in that movie. Like I I yeah. think that they. I don't think that they went and skimped on like basic stuff like not making a like legible image. But when you watch our DVD here, it, it sort of feels that way. I remember when I was going through film school and like when I first got into like like in 1999 when I was principally watching movies on VHS, like there were movies like a great example was Suspiria, which is uh, among the great movies, uh, the, the, one of the more beautiful movies ever made um, by Dario Argento. And it was such an ugly piece of junk when I watched it on VHS. I was like, this is an ugly movie, which is like anybody who's seen Suspiria would be like, what planet are you on? Like, it's it's one of the most beautiful movies ever made. Um, and, you know, there's movie after movie after movie that like was made with every effort to make it as beautiful as possible. But when we saw it on like, you know, back in an era when they didn't have the means and a lot of people didn't have the wherewithal or the interest in making like the world's best copy of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another great example that you'd think that that movie is like grotty and ugly and like was shot on bad tape or something like that. But only recently did they make a good Blu-ray of it. And you're like, wow, this movie looks great. Like, <laughs> how is it that like, I thought that it was it had that effect well there's a psychological effect of, of watching like badly transferred video and sometimes you kind of psychologically connect it being like well it's supposed to look that way mm. or like there's something that's supposed to be kind of like you know unpolished about this look and maybe it contributes in a way that's meaningful to to some films but i don't think that like in the case of shaka zulu it was intended that way i think that we just have like a bad disc I think I think in the case of Shaka Zulu, the purpose of that was to just present something that Western audiences hadn't seen. It was early '80s or something, right, or mid '80s. Or... I couldn't tell where in the '80s, but it was in the '80s. Because I remember being a little kid, and I remember that scene where they were like, "You know, why aren't you wearing your flip flops?" And he's like, "We don't need stupid flip flops here." I'm like, "You're yeah, a badass. That was awesome." Mm -hmm. So like that, you know, that that was kind of cool. For me, though. Um, once again, this really pushed forward the whole how good a BVM is mm -hmm. because I did not like Shaka Zulu on the BVM in either 480i or P because you saw all of the crap. Yeah. You saw that one actress's horrific makeup. Oh, bad makeup jobs. Yeah. Oh. Especially on old TV shows. They didn't, yeah. it wasn't a concern at all for standard to video. Yeah. It standard is just like watching it on an OLED in that, you know, in the BVM, I mean, in that you see too much detail. So I I feel like 480i is the way to go. Or if theoretically you could have crappy 480, like a worn VGA monitor. But I mean, I've done some experiments. I know this is all stuff that I should separate, but I have done some experiments that show that a decent, like consumer grade VGA monitor in 480p looks just pretty damn close oh, yeah. to a 480p BVM. Okay, very cool. very close. So for me personally, I prefer. I preferred the consumer grade TV and I preferred 480i just because it was kind of meant to be presented that way, but it also hid a lot of the garbage in there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the Shaka Zulu. But um, I'd say that like the, the X-Men also looks pretty good on that one too. So that's the thing that I'm not understanding is that I thought X-Men was totally fine on the projector. There was some combing artifacts, but not enough to make me pull my hair out like with Shaka Zulu. Um, it looked great on the BVM, but I think for whatever reason, I preferred 480i, and I don't know why. And that could just simply be that the PS3's deinterlacer isn't that good, so if we put it through the VP50 into the BVM, maybe that would have been the best. But uh, I, I just, for whatever reason, 480i on either CRT, I thought looked just awesome or maybe it's my subconscious because i watched that when i was a little kid it's absolutely that, that that's definitely a case where you probably consumed a lot of it as a kid a lot and of there's you know it, 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 you want it to get back to that place where it's like this is the way i remember it looking especially um for something that you well, watched a lot i didn't have anything remotely close to those two tvs i sure as fuck didn't have a d32 bvm mm -hmm. Um, and I also did not have a, a TV as nice as that JVC 36-inch growing up. In fact, I didn't even get a, what I would call a really nice CRT until, like, 2000. Mm -hmm. Like, the ones that weren't weren't terrible, but, like, not 
not what you would consider nice. So I had that like flat CR, flat glass CRT Sony with component video inputs. That was like the first nice CRT I had. And that was long after the, the X-Men days. So that, that I think, was it the combination of my subconscious watching that on a CRT and now watching it on the best CRT that made it that way? I don't know, but I definitely preferred for whatever reason, 480i and either one, the BVM, you know, the one thing that I have noticed consistently every time we watch something is that, you know, the D36, the JVC consumer grade is much bigger than the 32 inch wide Sony. Um, you could, you know, you could fit that 32 inch wide almost inside that 32 inch. But, and anytime there's especially four by three content where there's just that much more screen real estate, I prefer the bigger screen. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, too. I mean, like, your screen is so... As a matter of fact, like, your BBM, which is a widescreen monitor, it sort of seems like... I mean, I don't know exactly what you use it for, but when I'm using my BBM it's for 4.3 for content... <laughs> or for tests, right? But for, like, it's mostly 4.3 content, and it's always mm. a little disappointment that there's that you don't get to use the whole screen except in, you know, when you're more or less looking at, like, 4DP content. Yeah. Well, I mean, this setup isn't finalized once... I determine what my favorite things are. I have these wheel carts here. So uh, not the D32, but like, for example, you know, if this were a different test, I could easily grab the D20 or the 20L5, put it on that cart and just put it right in front of us. So our field of vision has the same amount of screen filled up as it was. And that's true. You know, when I'm using my uh, BVM back home, I'm always a lot closer to it when then, because I have it on my cart and I kind of roll it out to be like about this far away from here so and we were you know sitting on the couch over here yeah by the way shout out to all the people that have made their own rolling carts that was cool we, we did that 10 years ago pretty oh, much yeah, and uh, i'm Still glad to see people market. picking up on that that's um that's definitely cool. the way to go so my, my nothing has changed my perception on this the stuff i've been word vomiting in the q a's have been pretty much spot on and that every every content we've seen is going to be pretty different as to what the preference is but generally speaking, clean content, you know, blown up to 4K on a giant 90-inch projection screen. Even though the screen itself is garbage here, the projector is pretty good. So mm -hmm. I, I prefer that for clean content. Um, I don't know what I don't know what it was about X-Men. Maybe it was my subconscious triggering that. But normally I would have said X-Men probably would have been cooler on the big screen. But I did prefer it on a CRT. And the dirty print of Shaka Zulu... I almost said the dirty shock of Zulu. Definitely didn't mean that. And that um, that one would I definitely benefit from CRT usage. Yeah, I mean, and there's another class of video content that we haven't really tested with in this context, which is sort of, in some ways, the most important content, which is the, the you know, everything that we were talking about here between X-Men, which it's animation, you know that they weren't drawing and interlace. So... So just the we know that the original format of X Men was something that was progressive, but it was probably again, like our DVD was probably ripped from whatever was prepared for broadcast. Same thing with Shaka Zulu, and then the Dream Theater is is something that was like some progressive scaring content in the first place. But there's you know, there is content that was like originated in 480i, and I think that coming up with the best way to view that content is. The, for preservation purposes is the thing that'll be the most valuable. And like that includes, um, you know, a lot of experimental film. Um, mm -hmm. Jean-Luc Godard was shooting in standard definition video for about a decade. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, straight to video horror films that came out between uh, the like early eighties to the mid nineties that um, were only ever, you know, to be like meant to be consumed in VHS and were shot on VHS those films are all going to be 480i in nature. And, uh, you know, people's home movies and stuff like that. Um, you know, like, if you were to say, let, let's go back to experimental film, for instance. Like, if you were to say, like, okay, here's an important piece of, like, experimental film history that was shot on something for 480i, and we're going to put it in a museum setting. Like, what is the best way to do it? Well, that's a worthwhile question to ask ourselves. And like, well, I think we could say for sure that like a modern video projector is probably not the solution. Mm. And maybe there's a universe where using an old CRT projector will be appropriate. Um, but I, you know, if you go to, you know, like quality museums that uh, show video art, you know, 
they utilize uh, BBMs like quite extensively, and I think that we would find that like that would almost certainly be the preferable um, medium to consume content like that. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, the only other thing to add about the deinterlacing, uh, I have done experiments with the DVDO VP50 in with clean content. I, I've done actually plenty of experiments with all kinds, but the one thing I did definitely notice is that, yeah, it does deinterlace better than the OPPO UDP203, but it also maxes out at 1080p. And when I send it to that projector, which has a garbage built-in scaler, it actually ends up looking way better with the OPPO because mm -hmm. you get some more inter, you know, deinterlacing artifacts, but overall the image just looks better because it was scaled all the way up to 4K. So you're not relying on some crappy built-in scaler, but it's always different with bad content, uh, you know, with, with bad transfers, whatever else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do have to try to find... Because you were right about we were using sources that were all originated from probably film or 480p. So how often would somebody run into watching the stuff that was shot in 480i? Like, what about TV shows? Like, I used to test with the Golden Girls DVD, which I have no idea where that is, which pisses me off because <laughs> we've got lost in St. Olaf or something. But <laughs> I loved that show. And I wasn't that also shot just an uh it's a little, you know like it, it, it was something i was actually googling when we were looking around it, it it's difficult to uh identify what shows were shot on standard definition video um a lot of that some of that information is lost um like good examples like things that we know were definitely shot on video or like norman lear productions like um definitely on the family i think that the jeffersons in good times as well might have also been shot on video um and, uh, you know, throughout history, like, some of them were shot on video, but surprisingly, you know, it, it goes back to I Love Lucy. You know, like, prior to I Love Lucy, um, film, like, sitcoms were shot on, like, Vitaphone or something like that. And it was it was a format that was meant for, like, live television broadcast. And after it occurred, after the sitcom had, like, happened, it didn't exist anymore. And, like, and for instance, it's only because... Um, they took some of their like very fragile recorded content and then photographed a screen of it that we still have like the honeymooners if i'm not mistaken hmm. and you know uh one of the the innovations of i love lucy was that they were like i want to shoot it on film because i want to have something archival for reruns and obviously that proved to be extremely valuable for the history of television and certainly for like the <laughs> the pocketbook of uh of lucille ball um, but it wasn't until like the seventies that I think they ever even tried to shoot a, a sitcom on video. And then after that, most of them were still shot on film. I mean, like, I remember like back in the day, like, um, I knew somebody that worked on, um, that 70s show it was shot on 35 millimeter. Like a lot yeah. of that stuff was actually shot on film and anything that doesn't look like garbage, it probably was. And then some stuff that you'd think was shot on film or like shot on video, like, like a big question that I have is that we love Frasier in our house. And if you watch the old the old episodes, like the first three or four seasons of, of Frasier, it's it's like poor quality standard definition on like all the streaming platforms have the same content. It's, you know, if you watch it on Paramount Plus, if you watch it on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, it's always the same. And then somewhere along the way, it like it, it pops up and it, it just appears in HD. And I don't know if that is because they um, actually switched over from shooting on video to shooting on film, but it's probably they shot it on film and just lost the masters. Mm -hmm. um that's like a, a great crisis that happened with the simpsons for instance mm. um there's actually a, the story of the simpsons is more complicated but like uh like there's a a chunk of content in the middle of the history of the simpsons that um there's there's nothing but standard definition that's ever going to exist anymore and they can try to upscale it and stuff like that but like the the hd like the high quality content of it is gone and um you know, is that kind of content that uh, is going to be particularly tricky to pick, to pick the superior medium to consume it in? But there are there are there are TV shows. Certainly, if you watch old ball games or something like that, if you watch, the, I, I can't remember the name of the channel because I don't have TV. But there's a channel where you watch old sports and others, stuff like that, right? I think that that if, if that's something that you're into, like all of that content is going to be in um, interlaced video. And picking the right way to consume that would be uh, a matter of, like, to be careful about. 
Um, you know, you brought up a good point that I think is funny is I love watching football so freaking much. I've never in my life gone back and watched an old football game. Never. <laughs> and Neither I, have I. And I like, it would be one thing if I was like, I don't really care about all sports, which would be fair. Why would I? But like, I love, I mean, everybody's seen my social media, sees what I do every Sunday to watch all the games. And it's like, uh, yeah. yeah back to the future for two rig over here. Right? Damn right. <laughs> all right. So I have another idea. Let's, uh, let's check out another set of stuff and we'll, we'll meet you back here. I guess in a second. All right, let's do it. All right, I gotta just do this on camera. Doctor Strange Love, brand new VHS tape, never been used. Cut the seal for the very first time. Oh, something fell out. Well, I'll get that in a minute. All right, so I chose that one very deliberately for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, so I've talked a lot about how I always thought noisy old movies with lots of film grade on them look really great in a projector. You know, you mm -hmm. fool your brain into thinking it's, you know, film and everything else. But that one specifically was really noisy. Lots and lots of film grain in black and white. And it was four by three, mostly aspect ratio. No, it's not four by three. It certainly was. Uh, it's square. No, it's not. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like 1.7, I think. Squarer than 16 by 9, we could say. Okay, sure. And that's one that I just decided... It, when I when I saw that originally, I saw it in Ultra HD, the 4K remaster on an OLED. You know, it looked terrible. Which is such an awesome movie that I love so much. But it did not... All I saw was the noise. It brought it all out. And I saw it digitized and scaled. That experiment we just did. So we did the original VHS tape, brand new, on a JVC VCR. We did composite video, and we also did S-video out to see the difference. And I think, it, while it did look amazing on the projector, it really it kind of felt like I was at the movie theater, I think my favorite was the Square CRT. Really? Fascinating. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I like the 4K. I mean, it's a Stanley Kubrick movie. It's a, it, it's it's it looks that way for a reason. Everything is there for a reason. It's it looks beautiful in the 4K. I mean, like I I agree with you that you can, you like you can observe the grain, but that doesn't pull me out at all. Like the exact opposite. It, it makes it a a warmer and more inviting image to me. Like I there there's nothing about the the quality of the image on the 4K that was unattractive to me. As a matter of fact, I forgot that this was sort of your premise going in. It's like, oh my God, it looks so fucking good. <laughs> and, and, you, and of course, you're like, oh God, I can't stand this. I can see the dots. <laughs> well, on, on the screen, so with the projector screen going down, you see in the background, anybody watching this on video, you know, yeah, I agree. The film grain made it look like we were watching a reel-to-reel -reel film Going uh -huh. through to do this um but just the fact that i was able to fill that 36 inch jvc completely without you know without all of the terrible cropping or the terrible stretching or anything else because you did crop but you know even this coincidentally the scene behind us is a perfect example of if you crop a tiny bit off the left and right mm -hmm. not a big deal whereas if you cropped off the top and bottom like they so often do with old tv shows and uh you know trying to force 16 by 9 that would look terrible so I think for me personally, um, if, and the one that, you know, we're running out of time here, I, I said at the beginning, this is going to be something that's just plants the roots for something else, of course, mm -hmm. but I don't think I would ever watch a VHS tape like blown up on a, um, an OLED TV or something. I just think there would be so much extra noise involved in that, but I'll I think this scenario of a more square-ish movie that is cut to fit, you know, a four by three screen on a VHS tape where you get, you know, you really get the actual warmth of it on that TV in composite video. I thought it looked amazing. I mean, I agree that the VHS is like an acceptable way to consume Doctor Strangelove. I mean, like it also is like a very high contrast movie. So the, mm. the extra, you know, variation in you know from light to dark that you get especially from i mean maybe not so much on the projector but certainly just like 4k in general and if we were watching it upstairs on your oled you know like that hdr would go a long way towards putting some information between white and black 
hmm. in so many of the shots that are in Doctor Strangelove. But when you watch Doctor Strangelove on like the old VHS or like just the old video transfers, I mean, like it's almost like you're watching like a lithographic kind of image where it's almost just it's either black or it's white for like so much of the film. And that is an easy thing to translate to uh you know to like a bad video format like vhs you know uh, i'm reminded of a video test that we ran a number of times where you you somewhere you came up with uh somebody recommended a scene from ratatouille where um they're like by the water and it's kind of like a foggy night and they're like actually this is a terrific thing to test your display on because the the transmission from like the 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 brighter part of the foggy scene to the darker part of this foggy scene is so subtle that you can really see the the gradation of your video display uh if it can handle it might have been fudo even it, it, it might have been fudo that suggests that if not it's a 50 50 chance because he's <laughs> yeah. always pushing us in the right direction with that stuff you know like that's the kind of thing that would not translate well to a video format that like doesn't have the latitude for that kind of stuff and maybe if the transfer wasn't so good but um dr strangelove on the other hand like the contrast is is part of the aesthetic so it's it it's generally like something that can hold up with uh with, with like the bad video kind of look in my opinion but the one thing i'm definitely consistently seeing and this test you know the ones we're doing today all the ones i've ever done before is that the way a crt draws its image the film grain blends directly into that so you just, mm -hmm. even on something as detailed as the BVM D32, uh, I still don't see as much, whether it's actual film grain or whether there's interference from the transfer or whatever else, it blends in with the CRT a lot more. I would agree that your ability to like discern the, the random pattern is sort of minimized in the video display because it's it, it, it's it, it, it's sub pixel uh, resolution at that level. Like you're, it's not there aren't sufficient pixels and there isn't sufficient like um, resolving power on that VHS tape to be able to really like render the the video like the, the that film grain very well. Yeah, I'm reminded back in the day of um, you know I had a VHS tape of of uh, JFK when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, there's portions of JK that are Was shot that on. one of the ones that we allegedly got from the bootleg guy in Bridgeport? No, no, no. I had, I had a real, I had a proper <laughs> copy of, of, of JFK. Um, and, you know, like a lot of, a lot of JFK was shot on eight millimeter because it's, you know, it's, it's JFK. Like they have all, all kinds of different film stocks in it and they want to make it look like the Zapruder film or they want to sort of like evoke that kind of look. So at like, like grainy super eight. I remember when I was as a kid, I, I didn't even understand like what I was looking at really. And that was the first time I was introduced to the concept. And, and if you were doing something as grainy as that, you know, like a fraction of the resolution of something like the 35 millimeter that they captured Dr. Strangelove, like you could, you can make out that there's grain structure when you're viewing it on like an old VHS tape. Um, but that was the first time I was, I even noticed that it existed and I had no I, I was just not cognizant of it as a concept um, when I can. I mean, obviously, I was a kid at the same time. Yeah. But the but the but the consumption format of like VHS like blended that stuff um, very naturally, and if you weren't looking for it, you wouldn't notice it. Whereas on the 4K, it it does sort of jump out at you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, my you know my opinion. Um, I've I've been getting a better understanding, and hopefully, slowly starting to get better at explaining this, but. My opinion stayed pretty much the same in that any kind of well, anything with film grain on it, real film grain, not that crap that Netflix adds to their movies to try to make a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fake stuff, terrible. Yeah. But uh, well, we, I, I I would argue that there's probably introducing like like they put quote unquote film grain grain effects on lots of things that if it's done subtly enough, like you probably don't even notice it because there's a lot of people that feel that like the straight un like the unadjusted video look has an effect that, um, you know, either evokes like a Michael Mann kind of a look, which isn't for everybody. I mean, I, I love Michael Mann films, of course, but, um, or like a sitcom or uh, like a soap opera kind of look. And they can make it a bit more palatable for like audiences that are used to, you know, the quote unquote warmth of like the film effect. Even still today, they're, they're using like small amounts of, of um, you know, film distortion to soften up images a little bit and make them a bit more uh especially as it comes to like you know like makeup for women and lighting on women's faces and stuff like that you can put a filter that like softens it to make it more attractive 
and um, they're doing a lot of that kind of stuff and you don't notice it. Now, on the other hand, you know, there's that new Lakers show or something like that where they like crank it up to 11 and, you know, that kind of stuff, obviously you notice and you can have an opinion about it one way or the other. But like, there's a lot of quote unquote, like fake film grain effects that you don't always see. So I'll swing back to answer or to, to talk about that point later on because you bring up a few good things. And I, one thing that we did not discuss here and one thing that wasn't a separate test point, which is why this is going to be way more complicated than what we're doing today, <laughs> is how much of shooting in 24 frames per second gives the cinematic look versus film grain? Because I would think that, you know, a crystal clear totally shot in 4k you know hdr ultra hd video but in 24 frames per second gives you that same feel but you don't really need the film grain to feel like a movie where you're right like when i watched the hobbit in the, with you and what was it 120 or something the hobbit was in 48 but we in also watched gemini man which was at 120 well the hobbit was interesting too because that was also in 3d and it wasn't gandalf ascending the mountain it was ian mckellen walking up a hill like it was mm-hmm. too real, and for Gemini Man, it was, it was also too real. But it also, I felt with that one, it was so extreme that they needed to shoot the movie differently. Which we're getting off topic. Well, so you know, let's like it, back down in, to, in, in that in that context. Uh, just to say two words on on those films, which I have lots of opinions about them as well. Um, you know, like there were, our eyes are not used to that kind of look at all, and and that goes like way, especially Gemini Man, goes way into the quote unquote like soap opera style look but then on top of that it proves that you know the special effect wasn't as photorealistic as will smith's actual face and like whenever there was that cgi effigy of will smith on the screen like at 120 frames a second in 3d like it just really pulled you out of it and then of course in the hobbit there's special effects every second that you're watching it and it just makes it look chintzy and cheap whereas like the scrim of seeing it through you know the film look like kind of distances you enough so that it like it, it blends in a little bit more hmm. but back to your point about whether 24 is uh like gives it more of a film look um I mean, a lot of stuff is shot in twenty three nine seven, and then like that, and then and then and then it's like twenty nine nine seven. Now, like, there's a difference. Like, I can, I think a layperson would be able to tell the difference between something that's shot at like sixty frames a second or fifty nine, you know, uh, like like ten eighty i, like a football game or something. Yeah, like that. you mean shot at sixty ish versus twenty four or thirty, not fifty nine versus sixty. Yeah. yeah, like those kinds of looks are like legible and different, like at a glance. I personally don't think that like what and what and it's worth saying that like when we're watching uh 24p on um video displays we're talking about uh you know like drop frames in some cases and I personally think that it is less of a severe difference than um like the grain type of thing. Interesting. Because we've become pretty used to watching 24 uh, frame per second or 2397 type video content. Um, and I, I don't think that it like has the shock of being different to our eyes lately. But, uh, but to your, you know, if we were to go rewinding and back what we were talking about, like in the, you know, the analog video era, I think it was something that felt distinctive, but, that was probably had more to do with it being progressive and, you know, like an individual frame rather than an interlay signal. Mm. But that's my opinion on that one. I think that this is another area that like, there are people who have like very strongly felt opinions about these kinds of things. And in the video game world, you know, where 24 or 30 or 60 or whatever it is, 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 is much less standardized. And even within a game that's like purports to have one frame rate, like it might be falling right. below that just because of the processing power. Like there's much more strongly held opinions about that kind of stuff. But when it comes to like movies, I think people are just sort of like used to the 24 look. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I wonder how that all kind of translates to all of this stuff. But 
I think for me, you know, to circle back, but you know, we we get a little sidetracked on. I don't think anything's changed in that. If something is shot digitally or something like, uh, which, you know, we didn't show tonight, but like the Jaws, I think it was the Ultra HD of Jaws or maybe even just the Blu-ray, but like they, if it's scanned and cleaned in a way where, you know, you still get film grain, but you don't get like the weird artifacts, right? So if it's done in a way where it really reflects the original like Jaws and not like Predator, where it looks like, uh, it looks like you turned on the retro tink smoothing filter for that. Like. Yeah. Well, that's not about film grain. That's about um, like image smoothing and all kinds of graffiti that they're putting on top. Yeah. Of that's, that's, that's terrible. The same thing. But just cleaning up. Cause the, I think when I watched the documentary about the Jaws remaster, they looked at every frame. And they tried to decide, and I'm doing this from memory, and I've been going for, you know, I don't know, I was up at 7, 10, 10, so do the math yourself. But um, I think I remember that they were saying they looked at each individual frame, and they tried to clean it up as much as they could without changing it, without doing what they did to Arnold's face in Predator. So actually, they did a good job with Arnold, and everybody else got screwed over. <laughs> but um, So in a situation like that, where the, the movie has been cleaned up to the point where it feels like something modern shot on film that was then transferred to digital, any anything's fine. But as soon as it starts to get a little dirtier, a little more of the artifacts, a little more of the film grain, especially anything that was you know made for TV, I start to really prefer mm-hmm. either the projector or the CRT. And I really just I don't I don't know if I have a set like this is how I'm always going to watch this content. This is how I'm always going to watch that. Other than what I just said. So basically, my analog setup's down here. So everything, everything like that is going to be done here, and everything digital will be upstairs. But like, uh, we started to watch the um, Star Trek remaster, the one that was just released on what was it, Paramount Plus or something? And oh, is it on Paramount Plus? The Star Trek, like Star whatever, Trek: The Motion Picture, whatever Picard is on, is what this is. Oh, on. the new show. Oh. No, 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 the same, the same streaming service as Picard has Star Trek motion picture, the new version. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, it's Paramount Plus. And I, don't, I was, I fell asleep. I was so exhausted, I couldn't make it through. Uh, but I slow movie. So uh, it wasn't just that too. It, it was, but I don't think I really minded it on the OLED so much. I think they really did do a good job cleaning it up and uh-huh. putting the extra effects. But for most everything else, I think. But you know, you you bring up an interesting case because you know a lot of. Um, Star Trek. First off, the the special effects um, supervisor for Star Trek: The Motion Pictures, Gordon Willis, who um, you know is who who, re, who died in the last year and is really one of the titans of special effects. But on top of being just sort of a special effects wizard, he was like a madman who was trying to pursue um, you know large format, high frame rate films, uh, and and he wanted to release a video format, or I'm sorry, a film format that was that he was trying to shoot a feature on that was going to be on 70 millimeter or 65 millimeter capture um, and running at 48 frames a second. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, it, it, it ran into hiccups and the, the, the beautiful dream never came to fruition. But generally speaking, when Gordon Willis was shooting films, you know, like he cut his teeth on 2001 A Space Odyssey, which of course was shot on 70 millimeter. Mm. And all of the special effects content in Star Trek The Motion Picture was shot on 70 millimeter. So, what you're talking about is, uh, um, you know, a film that actually has a lot less grain than um, than a film that was shot on 35 millimeter. I totally forgot all so, that about the um, 70 millimeter. You're totally right. You know, some and 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 uh, those 70 millimeter films just look next level on on those 4Ks. I mean, 2001 yeah. and I don't think I've watched 2001 in 4K. I, I'm definitely missing out. I'll, I'll have to do that experiment. Yeah, we got to do that experiment. Yeah. Count me in on that one. <laughs> it's my favorite movie, so I'll, I'll watch it anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, we kept missing. They were showing it at one theater in Brooklyn in uh, 70 millimeter, and we kept missing. <laughs> I, I don't miss it. I've seen 2001 on 70 oh, millimeter yeah, like yeah. five times. <laughs> I kept missing to meet you with it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We were going to go together. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so a little aside, what'd you think of the the speaker setup down here? Oh, so beautiful and clear, and you know. Um, one of the advantages of the suburbs, like even if I wanted to, even if I had like a nice setup like this, I probably couldn't play it loud enough um, for the sake of my neighbors and for the yeah. sake of my my daughter. 
<laughs> like I can't listen. I haven't listened to something this loud except when I'm in a movie theater in, a, in, in quite a while, and it was uh, crystal clear. But the thing, that was the thing that really got me is it wasn't that we were cranking the volume; is that it was so full. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. full dynamic oh. range for sure. And I absolutely it, it, noticed no the difference. Is it just the no subwoofer? It is two bookshelf speakers. Really one good. amplifier. I did a whole video on it that hopefully aired the day before this one, unless I screw something up tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch that one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, and not only that. Uh, well, another thing that I definitely noticed when we were switching between Doctor Strangelove, and I know part of this is the remastering of the soundtrack, but going from the VCR into this amp to the Oppo Blu-ray player with its very good DAC into that same amp the audio of Dr. Strangelove just opened up. And remember, we're going to 2.0, so it's not like we're, you know, we went from two speakers to five. This is yeah. the same two speakers. So, yeah, I was I was blown away about that. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I had the surround sound in New York, but I didn't even buy a subwoofer. I bought the cheapest amp. I think it was a $175 Denon or something, because why would I spend more money on something that I could never use? Yeah. So now I'm finally starting to be able to enjoy the audio. And that was, um, that really, you know, but my mother came over a couple of weeks ago and we did an experiment where we watched Avatar 3D upstairs on the 4K OLED with uh -huh. the surround sound, ELAC speakers and same terrible Denon uh, receiver. We came down here, watched the same 3D movie. We picked up where we left off on this projector. Mm -hmm. And it's and, off of a 3D Blu-ray basically, right? Yes. So it's 1080p. Correct. And... Hand in same player too. I brought the Oppo player down and everything, okay. so it was as much of the same as possible. Everybody subject your mother to this stuff. Oh, she thinks it's funny. <laughs> she, she know. I mean, she she made me. She knows I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> Everybody hands down agreed on the same two things. The OLED TV was definitely clear. Absolutely no doubt. Of course it was. They yeah. preferred it here because oh, yeah. just the bigger screen, you're immersed in it, especially with 3D. And the special effects were cooler upstairs because of the surround sound. But everybody preferred the stereo in here better, which means now I have to save up for another amp. So hopefully, you know, I'll do another whatnot stream, sell all the extra stuff so I can buy another amp. But uh, yeah, so that that was pretty impressive about about this down here, and that I was just couldn't believe that two speakers could sound that amazing. So I was pretty pretty impressed. Which ones are they again? Uh, Ascend Acoustics, fully magnetically shielded, totally safe to use with a CRT. And if I didn't uh, have something bad happen this weekend, that video would have gone out yesterday and the day before this video. So I want them now. Yeah, they're oh man, I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um. So, uh, suggestions for you, and suggestions for us. Suggestions for people who want to mess with this. Take any any VGA monitor that still works. You know, something that if you load up a white screen and it's all yellow. Don't don't take that one. But other than that, any VGA monitor that still works, um, you could even get something like a component to VGA transcoder, and you could connect a PlayStation Three, pretty you know anything that outputs 480p, and you could do the same type of experiment about that. If you're lucky enough to have a multi-sync monitor, that's easiest because you're you know it's more of an apples to apples. Uh, an easier thing might to do to do might be get like a 20-inch consumer grade TV and a 20-inch VGA monitor and you know you could do all these experiments yourself you don't need fancy equipment and in fact a lot of the stuff I have is just basic video game things you could get you know 480p and 480i from a PlayStation 2 if you're using component video you don't need to spend a lot of money to do these things yourself uh, the only thing that I would definitely say is that any not garbage projector should be fine don't get one of those Pico projectors you plug into your cell phone and you know it's mm -hmm. Um, but anything about this that you would suggest that like other nerds like us should try, is there anything that stood out anything that you wanted to, um, I mean, I think I would just say that like, it should be stated explicitly that the purpose of this experiment is to measure like what you find aesthetically comfortable for yourself. Yes. Like it's, you're, you aren't ever doing apples to apples, like you said before. And like, you know, uh, by the numbers, it really shouldn't even be an argument that somebody would prefer to watch a VHS tape of Dr. Strangelove than a beautiful 4K transfer of it. Like, it's only because you have an aesthetic preference that, like, yes. that makes it attractive to your eye. So you should approach this experiment through that lens of being saying, saying to yourself, like, what is most comfortable to me? 
I think it's distinct from like a lot of the video testing that you do on the site, which is to say, like, you know, you're measuring effectively, you know, like what the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog looks like over and over and over again. And like, and and like, you know, identifying those, you know, as as much as you can with numbers, like here's how it's different. And this is that experiment at all. No, I think, but much like gaming, there's an infinite amount of right ways to do it. And there's some pretty clear wrong ways, you know, laggy scalers, you know, progressive scan, being deinterlaced, you know, but I don't think there's too many wrong ways to go about doing, to go about watching movies. I do think that you should try to watch it on a display where you're focusing your attention to. Because a lot of people shit on people who watch movies on cell phones, but I, I always push back against that because we had tiny ass TVs as a kid. Well, I should on people who watch movies on cell phones. They suck. <laughs> Nobody should ever watch a movie on a cell phone. That's bullshit. I don't know. If you have a really nice OLED cell phone and you propped it up and you're paying yeah. attention. Now, I, I resent my daughter for watching videos on, on a cell phone so much I can't even tell you. <laughs> Still, I had a 10-inch TV for a while growing up. That was that, that was it. It was my TV. That's okay. 10 inches is fine. A TV yeah. is fine. It's a phone. That's a problem. Oh, phones are like, you know, bigger than an average PVM these days. Yeah, kidding? You're probably right. But, I, I, I would say another important part to this experiment is that if you're dealing with, like, obviously, like, the CRTs are the way they are, but you got to make sure that you you do the basic of, like, turning off, like, the motion smoothing and, like, the vivid mode on your, yes, on your displays yes, yes, and all yes. that kind of stuff is, like, uh, you know, the barrier for entry. Like, to say that there is a wrong way to do it, like, that is wrong. Like, you shouldn't... I, 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 I have no patience for... Um, like turning on all that smoothing and, and motion scaling and stuff like that for, especially for movie movies. Like if it's, you know, I've heard people say that playing a video game with the motion smoothing is, is easier for their motion sickness, or I want to watch a sports game with the motion smoothing and something like that. But like movies are like, you should try to transmit onto your screen something as accurately as what's on the video as possible and not introduce those extra artifacts. Like what you're doing there is basically adding via algorithm the kind of stuff that like we were bemoaning about the about the predator um you know blu-ray transfer a few moments ago and that's going to contaminate everything you observe so i mean if you like it that way then you know go with god but like it's not going to be a meaningful experiment in this kind of lens so i mostly agree with that i i did at one point see kind of a really shitty tv connected to an even shittier cable box and I went, I turned off all the settings like I always do when setting up a TV. And then it just, it looked better with a mod. The combination of the crappy TV and the crappy cable box. I can't believe I'm saying that. So, but at the same time, I also, um, I was at Destiny's one time. We took her, the 120 hertz OLED, the, uh, you know, the C1, I believe. And we took a grainy movie and we tried turning all of those things on and off. We tried t- trying VFI mode um all of those things and i didn't like any of them i like just turning everything off to watch a movie and that was it yeah, so that's exactly the way i like it said. too for so, sure you even the, the film a movie with a lot of film grain that i normally would be like Ugh, like after seeing it with every setting turned on and every combination of setting as much as i would have rather seen it on a uh you know on a projector i've just definitely preferred it with it off so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, though. Turn all your settings off if you want it. I mean, it's, but it's also respectful of the filmmakers. I mean, the filmmakers went to make it look at one way, and then you're, like, adding stuff on top of it. You know, like, you wouldn't watch, uh, you know, The Godfather and then turn the red all the way up. Like, you try to you try to render what the filmmaker intended when you watch the movie. Yeah. For me, personally, after what I've seen, especially with attention spans falling through the floor in the past, you know, 10 years, worse than when we were kids, is that... I would rather see somebody leave all of the settings on on a TV than watch a movie while scrolling through Instagram on their phone the whole time. That's another insult to the filmmakers for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess we're getting a bit off topic. But to conclude, while this was a primer for what we're going to do next, what would you like to see? What would you like to do yourself that you know you wanted to hear us talk about? It's probably going to be a couple of months before we could swing back around and do this with, uh, together, but. I certainly could prep some stuff. Hopefully I continue to finish the room to the point where we won't have to stop and spend 15 minutes unplugging wires. Yeah, I can just 
whip out a cell phone, uh, an Extron Crosspoint app, and start doing all this. Oh, you said you were going to press a button. I didn't know you were going to have an app. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Our fellow nerds made an app. So I want that app. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to... So that's going to be a couple months away, but I, I really want to, to follow up with this and do that again, because I just... Stuff like this is... You know, I like watching movies more than I like doing this, but I love doing this too, and I also like yeah. it so that when I go to watch that next movie... I could kind of have a sense of like, I think I want to watch it on this display with this processor, with this, that, you know, and it's, so yeah. Would all of you like to see us spend our time or you could even call it waste our time on. That's fine. I don't really care. I love this shit. So how about you? Was there any, the only other thing in the future that I definitely want to be testing is, is there ever a time to watch a VHS or laser disc on anything other than a CRT, really. On a CRT, I mean, like, like, I mean, I think that there's a universe where watching. We didn't really do much experimenting with watching. Um, uh, we didn't watch any laser discs, but we didn't really watch a VHS on on a projector. No. I mean, I think that there's a universe where you could watch a, a a blown up VHS image, especially if the if the nature of what you're watching is like the the medium is is part of the image that you're supposed to be looking at. So, like, let's say you were watching, um, you know, again, like an experimental film where you're supposed to be observing the quality of the VHS tape, then, like, blow it up and and, and pay attention to it. Um, if you were to watch, like, a horror film that was shot on VHS, like uh, Redneck Zombies or something like that, then, you know, like, see it the way it was intended and, and, and watch it on whatever size you're comfortable with. Just be mindful that it's going to magnify those kinds of effects and as far as like laserdisc is concerned i mean like i mean i think that like in both of these cases you're probably going to be best served by watching them on crts Mm. but like you know especially as it pertains to this era you know that's coming from an era when almost everything was shot on film and then telescened into a video format and a lot of these uh pieces of content are like live and die by the quality of the transfer yeah and you know i remember when i was like watching moving into the laserdisc era and then moving into the dvd era and a little bit less so with the blu-ray era but like you know just watching films that just started off looking like such garbage and then they made a proper transfer of it and you got to appreciate their beauty for the first time and, uh, you know, there are some movies that are off the beaten path that, like, certainly, like, the, the laser disc looks better than the DVD. Probably, it's pretty rare that that's the case on, like, the Blu-ray era because you get so much more information on the Blu-rays. And they've, they've gotten better at doing these telescenes at this point. But, like, you know, there are opportunities. I, th- I think there's cases, especially in Laserdisc, where there were excellent transfers that... Um, are probably meant to be taken care of and presented in like the, the like the optimal way, and, and that really will shine. You know, when we were watching the some some of the stuff on the VHS, like especially the the X Men and um, the Dream Theater, you know, it reminded me of sort of like the last days when I was in, still in the standard definition world before I made the leap to HD. And and back then I was watching on like a pretty good CRT. This is not including the, like the Lupa or anything like that, but just like a regular CRT. Um, and I was watching a lot of stuff through S-Video. And a lot of it looked great. And I was sort of like a pain in the ass for a few years. I've been like, I don't need to get HD. It's just, it's just overweight. It doesn't like it. Like, well, my TV looks great. I, I have no problem with watching stuff on my TV. And the truth of the matter is that, like, you know, I think we all kind of think back on the era and think of, like, the worst VHS tape that we watched as a kid that, like, had commercials and, like, it was it was taped off of TV with rabbit ears or something like that through coaxial. And, like, okay, some of that stuff looked pretty rotten. But, like, professionally transferred stuff, like, a, a lot of it was, like, like, could produce, like, beautiful results. And I was reminded of that today. Um, so there's, there's stuff yeah. like that out there. Absolutely. Uh, one question I have for all of you awesome people watching. What are the movies out there, like Dr. Strangelove, that were squarish, not full, not 16 by 9, not 235, but on a more square aspect ratio, that have a lot of film brain? What are ones that you remember? Because, um, you know, I, I always want to try to find an excuse to use a VHS player in my CRT, but 
just the other day I watched Sink the Bismarck because um, I just happened to stumble across a DHS tape for a dollar, so why not? <laughs> uh, and it was amazing. It was great. But I got about an hour and a half into it, and one of the main characters is yelling to nobody. And I went, oh, I bet you this was shot in, you know, in widescreen, yeah, and now it's just cropped out. And I looked it up, and yes, I, uh, you know, I should have... I should have looked that one up. Perilous, on like if you're watching those old VHS tapes, for sure. They did a lot of pen and scan back then. Yeah, so that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for things like this, where if it was in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, you're not really losing anything. Well, you should just go to any movie that was made before, like, 1950. Is, you know, that was shot in 4-3, an Academy aspect ratio. You could watch Citizen Kane or Casablanca or... Forgot about Citizen Kane. Anything, anything like that. Like, you could watch Sunrise, or you could watch, you know... A Charlie Chaplin movie, like all of that stuff, will will do a good job. <laughs> hmm. Well, what are your favorites? Let me know in the comments, please, because I want to pick up a couple of VHS tapes with them. Now that I'm, uh, I've been spending some time on whatnot. There's some pretty good VHS sales people there that have like massive cl collections that they're thinning out. So that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Scott, for doing this. It's always fun. Wish, uh, wish we lived closer so we could do this on a regular basis. I do but, too. Buddy. You know how it is. Even when you were in Brooklyn, you still felt like you were in Mars because it was yeah. you know, two I hours. Know. I do live on Mars. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thank you all for watching as always. Thank you, Scott. And uh, we'll see you next yeah. time. See you guys.